know, but for two years I acted on soaps in New York. And part of that was a um, an attempt going into acting, and I really liked live theater more, was it was almost a counterphobic uh, an attempt to conquer my anxiety. I don't know if I should bow, <laughs> I should kneel, I could kiss the ring of our guest, but I don't think he'd appreciate that. But I feel like we have a celebrity we in do. the house. We do. Like a like an Enneagram influencer in the South Florida area, and that's a big deal for us. Yes, it is. We've never had such a big celeb. We've got him. Who do we have in the house today? Oh, man. Uh, Paul Vandergrift is in the house. What's up, brother? <laughs> we are hey, happy you're here, Paul. Thanks so much for coming. Happy to be here. Uh, how are you doing, by the way, Stephanie? I am doing well. In fact, I I am coming off of a lovely workshop on the Enneagram last night with our our a celeb guest here who ran it. It was it was a lot of fun, and it's the end of the week. Weekend's coming, so I'm doing well. How about you, Is? I am doing well. You know, here in South Florida, we've had uh, a cold front. Ooh. This whole week. Soup so, weather. We and and soup that's weather. it. So we had winter in South Florida, and then it's over with. That's right. Uh, that's so right. I'm still trying to enjoy, you know, the sweater, the scarf. And the, the suits. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, welcome again to the Enneabuzz. I'm Israel Balderas, along with Dr. Stephanie Bennett. And uh, for those of you who are either listening on iTunes or Podbeam, I just want to let you know, now you can listen on Spotify. We're on Spotify. It's exciting times for yeah. the Any of Buzz. I know. You know, it's uh, there's an article in the Daily Beast uh, written by, um, what's her name, uh, Elena Demopoulos. And she sort of lays out what a big deal the Enneagram is now. A lot of folks have podcasts or they have channels on Instagram and Facebook. So it's become sort of our modern what's your mm-hmm. sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of, uh, I, you know, identity, yeah. uh, or at least some people see it that way. Yeah. You and I see it a little different. Sure. Uh, we see it as this is a way for us to be in health, right. but certainly a lot of people are talking about it. And Absolutely. our guest has been talking about this for such a long time. Yeah. Paul, why don't you tell us, tell our listeners, um, a little bit about how you knew you, what number you are, uh, you identify as and your ego type, your personality type and how you, um, how, how you came to know that you are a six. Like when you, you were telling us last night that you had a panel there and that was resonating for you, but how did you know that, you know, did you ever doubt it or, uh, how did you know that you're, that, that you are what you are? Well, of course, I doubted it. <laughs> Whether I knew why I was doubting it is the question. Um, I came to the Enneagram about 10 years ago. Yeah. And in the reference that you made to the panel, I, I was with a friend, uh, uh, Chris Southerd, who's a, a pastor and also an Enneagram sage. And we went to Montreat to a conference there where it was the Enneagram Intensive, where they do the... Uh, the Enneagram in the narrative tradition. And that's where we use stories to, um, and being up on panels and people telling their stories really to help people in the audience clarify and understand almost the separateness of the type structure from the individual, Mm -hmm. that it is something that actually exists, uh, 
transpersonally mm-hmm. and outside mm-hmm. of it. It's not something, and it really is something that the more we're aware of, the more it goes away or the healthier we are, hopefully it goes away. But when, when I first came to it, um, I was watching a panel of people who were type sixes and <laughs> one of the funny things, type sixes were, it were like the Boy Scouts, you know, the motto is be prepared. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, in fact, it's funny because my, my father was a scoutmaster and that was my favorite book as a kid was um, the Boy Scout manual because it had everything in there that, you know, if something went wrong, how to fix a compound fracture or a bullet wound or burns or whatever. And I would, I would just look through that all the time. And, um, but anyhow, on this panel, um, just watching people up there and every single person, uh, which it came out later, um, had a, a bag, um, like a book bag and which is not unusual, but then we started talking about, or they started talking about what was in the book bag and it was first aid kits. It was change of clothes. It was all kinds of what, you know, just anything for any personal disaster where they might be, um, left alone in the world and all i've got now is me and my me and my supplies you need security and you need support well and the and the basic fear being you know being left without that you know and 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 it's not you know it's not like uh, a small thing like oh i'm afraid i'm gonna forget my keys it's like oh i'm afraid i'm no longer going to exist Mm. I mean, it's huge, you know, and I think that, and if you're not a type six and, or if you have a type six in your life to understand the visceral or the organic, um, nature of the type structure that it, you know, it is, you, you embody it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so. Well, thank you for that. And let's just reel back just a little bit, pull it back a little bit and talk about the average space of the six, what the six personality type is Um, called typically the loyalist, right? Sometimes the loyal skeptic or the questioner. Um, The six is, um, they, they trust themselves and their hearts and they can take individual action based on their gut, based on their gut instincts. They move about the world with confidence in their decisions. Um, But type sixes can also become productive troubleshooters who are amazing at spotting future problems or potential issues. And fully, really integrated sixes can see the uplifting and inspirational side of life and develop a good sense of humor about things that go wrong. At their best, we know that sixes are sensitive and loyal friends, family members, employees, and citizens. Great people to have on your team faithful people, courageous. It's just, that's a very integrated place. When, um, when you go, um, as a six to a stress place, that's where, is that where the fear really starts to come out? Where, where are you reading that from? I don't, I don't think that was written by a six. (laughs) That sounded awfully positive. Um, the thing for it with sixes and I, and I have to be careful of this myself is that is really catastrophizing and, and being negative mm-hmm. just, and because that's a, it's, it's a habit. Mm-hmm. It's a habit. It's mm-hmm. and, and to you know, and the whole sliding scale thing of, uh, of health, you know, for vice to virtue that I think that goes throughout the entire day. 
So to say, oh, I'm a healthy six, you know, and I, you know, I'm courageous today. Yeah. Well, in about 15 minutes, if I have to go do something that I'm terrified of, it's like all right. of a sudden, uh, well, I used to be a healthy six. Right. But, you know. Such a good point. And is that because of the anxiousness that sort of you, you, you struggle with, you go through in, in a public situation? Is that why? I think it's the, it's, it's the nature of the personality in general. You know, for all of us, I think uh, various times during the day, we, we feel better. We, we, um, you know, with, with type six, oftentimes we, we substitute worrying for doing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, instead of getting things done, we worry about it. And then, uh, then we worry more about the fact that we didn't get it done and it becomes this vicious cycle. So, um, but but yes, I think in terms of the health, it, it is a it, it is a it is an organic kind of sliding thing. I mean, yeah. for, for me, I mean, I for other people, I mean, maybe they're healthy, they're healthy, and they're done. I mean, but I just you know maybe they're dead then. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think we ever arrive once we know our number and understand our personality pattern. That's that's with us for life, and I agree with you. I think it's sliding. But you bring up a very good point, Paul. There's a lot of misinformation rolling around out there flying out out, around out there and everyone seems to have something to say about the Enneagram and this number and that number and who's what and who's not. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, where your credentials are rooted? You, um, you are credentialed and uh, you talked about the narrative, narrative Enneagram, that tradition. Tell us a little bit about that because I think our listeners need to know that it, it's not a one size fits all. It's not like you hear something from a blogger or a podcaster or, or, or someone who thinks something about the Enneagram and it's necessarily true. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in terms of where you draw from and, and where you're credentialed. So, I mean, it, it is confusing. Um, and really it, for me, um, the two primary, um, organizations that, um, it's the Enneagram Institute, which is the Riso Hudson group out of New York. We love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and they're, they're solid. I mean, that if you, if you've taken courses with them and I they do have also credentials that you can get from there, then, I mean, you're, you're good. And I think the, the overall, um, governing there, there's two, there's the Inter- Inter- international Enneagram association, mm-hmm. and then there's Enneagram worldwide. Enneagram worldwide, I believe is the, is a combination of two, and I forget which two of those are. I think one of them is the is the um, Enneagram in the narrative tradition, which was David Daniels and Helen Palmer, Terry Saraceno. But um, they combined with another group, and I'm not sure who that was, and that became Enneagram Worldwide. And so that's what my certification is through because I was already in under the, the Enneagram in the narrative tradition. And that, that group, um, for that program, that was two and a half years, um, which uh, you, you have to do typing interview work. You have to do um, their, their intensive, which is the, that was the first one that I did. Um, and then you have a, I believe it's a eight week, eight to 12 week. I guess it doesn't depend on the time. It depends on the number of, um, of uh, supervised interviews you do via Skype um, doing, doing, Enneagram interviews and typing interviews and then leading panels. And so this is all done via Skype. And, and so it's, uh, it, it's, it's a long process, but when you get out of it, you really feel like you feel competent. Yeah. So, um, and, and you recognize, 
you know, there is a lot of, there are uh, kind of, in the, you know, South Florida, there are charlatans everywhere. Yeah. But, so you add the Enneagram to that and, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, a big problem. So yeah. I, you know, I would check it out on the Enne- on the um, Enneagram Worldwide website if the person is listed on there. Yeah. Um, I think there's a phone number on there if you don't see them on there, yeah. if, you know, if you have questions. Yeah, so. and <clears throat> you had told me that a couple of years ago, and I became a member of the Narrative Enneagram. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to get credentials through that, but have not started that yet, planning to go to a conference in June. Um, but that's the reason, one of the reasons why I brought you into my, one of my courses last year to teach my students, to help guide my students in interpersonal communication about the Enneagram. They are all into it. 95% of students uh, are just into the Enneagram and great. I'm all for using a tool, a a tool to bring wisdom, to bring self-awareness, but so much misinformation is flying around there. And so, um, that's why we're just really happy to have you around, um, here today. Uh, wanted to talk to you about the difference between the number six, a phobic, often called a phobic six and a counterphobic six. Do you buy into that? Do you see that some people say there's no counter uh, in the numbers? What do you think about that? And we'll talk about the differences. No, I think there definitely are. I mean, it's almost like the the wing. You can sort of go back and forth on that. And I think, and again, it's it's organic with the, I mean, occasionally I can be counterphobic. Mm-hmm. And even though my primary stance is as a phobic six. So um, I think it's kind of sort of where you live mostly. Um, and yeah. Okay. So the six um, is, uh, uh, would you say averse to taking risk and concerned very much with safety and, and being safe and being secure? Well, it depends if you're, if your primary home stance is a counterphobic. I mean, when I, um, when I first started, I, you know, I, you know, but for two years I've acted on soaps in New York and, um, and part of that was a, um, an attempt going into acting. And I really liked live theater more was, it was almost a counterphobic, uh, an attempt to conquer my anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and by dealing with it on stage. And that was really was more of a counterphobic, um, stance for me. So, uh, and that, that was, you know, at that time in my life, that's, that's kind of how I was dealing with the anxiety. I had no idea I was a type six at that time, but I also knew that I did not want to be controlled by my anxiety. And so I was doing everything I could, you know, I was dancing as fast as I could in order to try and um, overcome that anxiety and not let it control me. Yeah. And did you, did you find that being on stage moved you? In, in that scale of, you know, you're less uh, insecure and, and able to, you know, invest time and energy into your trade? Or was it, or did the anxiousness right before curtain, uh, you know, comes up was just sky high? Uh, well, the anxiousness right before curtain is, yeah, it was sky high. And it always was. In fact, um, when I was in Tallahassee, I did, uh, um, what was it, the... Um, I was the gentleman caller and um, what's the Tennessee Williams play? Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? No, it, um, what is that? <laughs> I can't remember. Anyhow, this is the gentleman caller. You, you're, you're, you're Googling that. No. 
But um, in any event, there was one time when when I was I was like mid. I mean, it was a little theater, teeny, uh, you know, community theaters when I was first getting into it, and the Glass uh, Menagerie. Glass Menagerie, thank you. Yep. And, and so, I knew that. Right <laughs> yeah, it's right. Yeah. And the and the, <laughs> the, the funny thing is, the, the 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 gentleman caller is supposed to be this kind of like you know uh, sort of insensitive brick that um, you know nothing bothers him and everything. And I'm backstage, and they're like. Come on, you can go out. You can do it. <laughs> and I'm back there. No, I can't. I can't. I mean, I was just totally panicked. And and then finally, I went out there and did it. And you know, um, and it worked. But it was just again, it was just like uh, that. Kind of became the at that time in my life, the mode of how I would handle the anxiety was just to like just fling myself. And and fortunately, each time I did that, God caught me and and um, and said, okay. I mean, and it, it, it just, and that's why the Enneagram was so um, healing for me. It was because it, it gave, looking back at all of the, you know, was it Steve Jobs said that you don't connect the dots looking forward. You connect the dots of your life looking in backwards. And then you see, oh, now I understand why that happened and why that happened and why that happened. And so um, it really gave... Um, understanding and meaning um, to the suffering that I was going through, mm. that, you know. You mentioned God there in that last statement, and um, I know that you look at um, and use the Enneagram in a way, a very redemptive way. Uh, I wonder if you could uh, talk to us and our listeners just a bit about how the Enneagram can be used, in a sense, in the hand of God, in, in, in the uh wings of the Holy Spirit to transform. Yeah, it's, it's funny that a lot of the Enneagram community and the training community is, is very secular. And, um, <clears throat> but, um, for me, and, and I mean, and a lot of it's not, but um, a lot of the training that goes on, I mean, there are people from all walks of life. I mean, all sexual orientations. I mean, it's a, it's a very broad um, group of people. And that's one of the joys, actually, of the Enneagram because, you know, you, you, it breaks down, as, as you said, about the being able to talk about our differences without judgment. Instead of the fact that, well, you know, this kind of person really irritates me. It you begin to identify that it, it actually has something more to do with um, with that personality trait and and it's and just how it plugs into something in you. And so the self awareness of that is very healing. But in terms of your question, sorry, I got off on a <laughs> That's sidetrack okay. there. Um, I don't know that um, I'm I'm really that interested in the enneagram without the the Holy Spirit because so much of that what occurs is is very healing and very um, uh, it's, it almost seems very much like the work that Jesus was doing with his disciples right capturing their imagination and having them really think differently about themselves and about their relationships and about God in general. Yeah, I'm. I'm always interested in hearing that. Um, it's it's a part for me too, that um, I I cannot look at the enneagram really without bringing personally bringing my faith into it. And uh, one of the the chief um, 
ways I knew a few years ago that this is something that I want to talk about, I want to study, I want to know more, and I want to help people with is um, is that my, my personality uh, pattern is in four, and as you know, and um, when someone asks me, and that's the heart triad, which is really uh, beleaguered by shame. Everyone has some shame, but the heart triad really deals with shame, whereas the, the head triad deals very specifically in a core way with fear, and the gut body triad deals in a, in a core way with anger. Uh, well, someone said to me, um, well, uh, when I was trying to figure out my number, well, you know, how, wh- do you deal with shame? How, how do you deal with shame? This was my answer. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm never ashamed. I don't have any shame. The person said to me, no shame? With their eyebrows raised? I said, yeah, I, I mean, I'll deal with uh, fear somewhat, and I deal with anger somewhat, but no, no shame, no shame. And it was a journey for me, an inward journey, to look at and have the Holy Spirit shine a light on where that shame was. Because what I realized is that the mask that we wear, the mask that we all wear that is so tight about our face really was hiding that shame, like that proverbial fig leaf, right, was really hiding that shame. What was more prominent in my behavior was I would worry or have fear. That was external. I could feel that. I could see that. Others could see that once in a while. And then in a lesser way, yeah, Sometimes I had anger, and that would be manifest, and you could see that, but that wasn't a big deal in my life. It was lesser than worry. But really what I couldn't see at all was the shame. It was so deep and so embedded in my core that I had to have the Lord reveal that to me with his searchlight, and his searchlight in that sense was the Enneagram. You know, And so um, I love it uh, that you said that it, it works and helps anybody and everybody um, because truth is truth, right? But in my case and, and, and yours, and you know, it's, it's a tool in the hand of God. Did you feel like um, your, how God sees you changed in that? You know, no, and that's what was part of what was hidden to me because years ago I was doing the work, you know, without knowing it was called the work. <laughs> I was doing much work, internal work. Um, 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 my, my, my CD is called Toward the Lamb, and it's all about the inward journey, and that was 20 years ago. So I was doing the work and had a real revelation of God seeing me as his beloved child many, many years ago, which truly transformed my life. But then what I did was I, over over the years, kind of just covered ongoing issues with sand and let that let them be buried and didn't realize that shame was attached, you know? And so that's why I, I do think that uh, like what you said before about the sliding scale and about the ongoing continuum, we are always learning and growing. We are always having to become self-aware and more and increasingly self-aware, Um so in that light, what do you think uh, your number, your personality type of six does in going to nine, in moving toward growth in, in nine? Do you see uh, what are some of the behaviors or some of the feelings that you experience when you experience an integration? 
well, hang on, I don't want to get her away from this subject for a second on, on the God part, but not with the, I mean, I'm not going after you, but, okay. um, but just in terms of, of the, um, the spiritual piece, the God piece for the type six, um, they, the, um, fear comes for me. And I think for a lot of type sixes and for a lot of people comes from fear of punishment. And that comes from a God who is a punishing God. And that's for most of us, that's the moralistic, you know, God that our parents got us to behave telling us about. And so the, for the type six to, you know, perfect love casts out fear and, and it really does. And I think that's part of the issue. And, and so that for me um, in seeing that panel, uh, and we talked about this a little bit last night. In fact, um, one of someone came up to me afterwards and said they had the exact same experience as a type five, where they just were filled with a lot of depression in their lives. And, 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 and it wasn't until they saw another, another person who, who was experiencing um, uh, similar symptoms or similar um, issues that they had and, once they saw that and they had compassion for that person and they realized, Oh, how they had been treating themselves. And I think that, you know, so much of the, of the work of the Enneagram really does, you know, you love your neighbor as yourself, but it's got to start with yourself. And, um, that, and I think that's, that's where that happens. And so that self piece has to start with your relationship with God. Why is that? I'm I'm curious because I I I see a lot of folks who who use the enneagram, but they're not necessarily believers in the sort of the Christian faith, the Protestant faith. Um, you know, the article that I mentioned earlier at the top of the the podcast show mentioned that this is very unique in that it can combine someone like a, um, people who are into the New Age versus somebody who is you know, it's into evangelicalism, but does that necessarily have to be true that that in order for you to be in health with the Enneagram that there has to be a spiritual component? I think that would be up to the individual. I think if they are automatically resisting the fact that it, there's a spiritual component, I mean that's something to be looked at as well. It's you mean if someone if someone says, look, I you know listen, I I, I live and let live, but I just have a different view of religion. Um, or I have a, a very, you know, let's just call it, you know, a liberal view of orthodoxy. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, and, and, and the reason that I think about this is because I think of Richard Rohr, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Richard Rohr, um, we all involved in the Enneagram, uh, look up to him and go, you know, he's sort of like the, the, the father of the Enneagram from the Jesuit uh, perspective, and he very much cares about social justice, but he's written a book now where he really believes through Scripture that um, there is universal salvation. Uh, and universal salvation, not just for those people who believe in Jesus Christ, but across the board. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, somebody like Rob Bell, who believed in universal salvation, or at least was working towards that, they were kicked out. Uh, <laughs> Richard Rohr, Father Rohr, you know, he doesn't care about that. But somebody who's listening to Father Rohr and talking, and he's talking to them about his belief in who is God and, and, and your role in God 
N in the Enneagram, they certainly would not see it that way, right? And they're still in health. So I think this is partly what Jesus was dealing with, you know, with the Pharisees and people of the law. And he knew he was not going to be able to change their minds by arguing the law with them and being able to, through parables, uh, capture their imagination was his technique. And um, because that continues to bring that back on the individual Quite frankly, I think if somebody wants to deal with it that way, in my humble opinion, it's not my business. I mean, if it's helping them uh, and they really um, want to, to think that that's the way that it's, that they're going to be healthy, I mean, who am I to judge that person? And also, the we get caught up in the language, I think, a lot in terms of the nomenclature and of spirituality and it's like well um, if you love God with your heart and your soul and mind or love your creator and if you don't even believe in a creator I, I mean I'm, sh- I'm not sure where that goes but I mean it, if you believe in your creator you, you love your creator and you love yourself that's that's going to have to um, turn into something better for the world and for you. So I, you know, I know this sounds a little, I theology or theological philosophy is not my forte, but, um, but what I do know is that, um, love does change the world no matter what you call it and hate changes the world no matter what you call it. And all of these things, um, you know, I think a lot of times we, we get caught in the weeds with the, with the language and it can wind up being, yet another rabbit hole that uh, that we go down in order to avoid dealing with our own issues. I guess uh, it's, you know, when she was talking about the issue of shame and the issue of healthiness and joy and fear, my concern is the same concern that when I read articles where people say, well, gosh, the Enneagram is not Christian, and, and they give you your, the reasons why, um, that it's, it's, sometimes it's a, it's a silver bullet approach that if you are depressed, it must be because you have sin in your life. And it's just now coming out where at least more and more people who are psychologists who can say, you know, Carl Jung, and it's okay to mention Carl Jung in a Christian circle, would say X, Y, or Z. And I think my concern is that, and, and you know, Stephanie will tell you this, regardless of my walk, I want other people to feel that the Enneagram is like a scaffolding, right? It's supposed to sort of let you know where the building is going straight or not. And I don't want people to think that, you know, somehow there has to be this spiritual connection. Because I think when I've heard Father Rohr talk about it, he certainly would say, oh, yeah. oh, heavens, no. Uh, <laughs> he would, uh, you know, he would say, you know, you don't, you don't have to come to it simultaneously. And, and yet you can still feel very healthy having a completely different perspective from a, from a spiritual 
perspective. Again, we're you know, and we're just all things being equal without getting caught up in the language. Does that make sense? I yes, I, <laughs> yes, it does. I, I, I you know, I, I'm. I think even if you just well, first of all, there have been so many people, my, myself included, who have really been injured by the church. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons Father Roar uses that language is because he knows he can lose half his audience um, if he just says, yeah, because then they, they, they imprint, and this is so difficult in human communication, they imprint their type, their perspective, their history onto his language of, of religion and if they were brought up Catholic and they were injured by the church, or even if they were brought up in any religion and they were injured by that, immediately it's just going to be a red flag. And they're going to say, oh, this is not for me. I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I can, that's understandable. I mean, when I first met my Enneagram uh, buddy, Chris Southerd, I mean, I, there were, he was a minister. And as far as I was concerned, that was about nine out of ten bad marks against him because mm-hmm. I just didn't trust ministers um, because in my family – so many people have been hurt by ministers, and actually, my brother is a minister, but yeah. <laughs> and so is my sister-in-law. But. Can we talk about your brother? For <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, he, he's a well, good, he's a good man, but that's the thing. He 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 kind of worked all through past that, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, and stayed in the in in the in the biz. So, well, <laughs> I I sure appreciate your honesty and. Uh, uh, truly, that's that's one of the main reasons why I really um, have come to enjoy and, and love, value the Enneagram, is because it, it does give us a new language to talk about our differences without judgment. And we are in, it's always been a human issue to have to deal with differences and conflict, et cetera, et cetera. But the kind of um, communication climate that we are in in this country right now, um, the polarization, the alienation, the ear-stopping um, conversations, plugging our ears not to listen to others and just um, wanting to dance uh, and walk on eggshells because we cannot talk about things. Um, this is why the, the, the Enneagram excites me. It gives us a language. It gives us a way, and I so appreciate what you said, Israel, there, that... Um, I, I do. I bring the Lord into it because I don't know how to, first of all, I don't want to keep him out, but I don't know how to keep him out. It's almost like it's a continuation of the work that he's been doing in my life since I'm 17. The inner work. I've been very familiar with the inner work. It almost brings tears to my eyes when I hear people talking about the inner work that God is doing or that they are doing in their own life. Because for so many years, I felt like such an oddball because I'm talking about inner work. I'm talking about inner dialogue. I'm teaching and talking Bible studies, women's Bible studies in churches, all kinds of things that I was involved in to try to touch that place or help people touch that place inside themselves where uh, I recognize that place inside themselves that is hurt, that is wounded, that needs attention, that needs cleaning and a bandage that should not be ignored. And how and, and very often I was pushed away when I was younger. I was like, well, no, here, let's just talk about the four laws. 
four laws of salvation or the four spiritual laws or no, let's just talk about going out and evangelizing or no, let's go talk about, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Can we talk first about the things that are causing Christians, people in general to be miserable on the inside, to slap on a happy face, to go forward being really productive, but being miserable on the inside. And the, the Enneagram seems like if you use it well, it seems like a tool that could be like a scrub brush, with, you know, to, to just really help clean and reveal what's below the surface, what's below the varnish, what's below the, the mask, right? Well, then you get into Scott Peck's second book, The People of the Lie. And how do you deal with that, with the person who just refuses to look at their toxicity and, and what and and the damage that they do as they go through the world. It's it's a I don't know if you're familiar with that book, um, but it, he basically addresses um, the fact that I mean, and it, it goes to a, an ultimate level of malevolence. But and what's the book again? People of the Lie by M. Scott Peck, who wrote uh, The Road Less Traveled. Okay. But but that's part of the issue that we have is that if, you know, let's work on your issues, Stephanie. My issues. Yeah, we'll work on your issues because <laughs> I'm not going to work on mine. So let, you right. must you must be the problem. And so, yeah. uh, and, and that kind of individual, uh, it, it, it's very difficult to deal with, I think. My, my father, I think, was a lot like that, and my mother wanted him to work on his issues while she was in therapy, and he basically wanted the therapist to fix her and put mm-hmm. her back the way she was, you know, and I think but there, that is that mentality of, of, you know, we have a problem, and I think it's you. Yeah. <laughs> so not, you know, not willing to do the introspective work. Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right in pointing this out. We, we have to start first with knowing our own belovedness. That's what I call it. Knowing our own belovedness, that we are a part of the beloved, that we are part of the beloved of God, that there's nothing that we can do to take away that belovedness. We cannot, even if we turn our back and say, I don't want you, God. I don't want you in my life. He still loves us. He still loves us. And recognizing that, letting that go from the intellect and words on a page to drop down into our heart and then let it seep through our being is 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 not easy but it's a beautiful thing it's a process to behold it in someone else or in ourselves it's a beautiful thing um so i'm doing firearms and uh classes now yeah tell us about it yeah um and as you a mean type, like it, you're like shooting yes you, yeah, yeah, like, are you like, carrying like, are you like, carrying you're, not right now <laughs> no? like, so let's let's, let's yeah. talk yeah mmp uh <laughs> glock what, what are you what you're talking about uh i have a uh uh, Sig Sauer 365, which is a Whoa. it's a very small gun, but it, it's it 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 yeah, it's so it, you can carry it. Nine mil, right? Nine millimeter. Yeah. yeah. So my firearms instructor is a he's a um, retired sergeant in the military. He was a firearms instructor in the military, and he has PTSD from being in two, four four tours of Iraq. But one of the things that he says, he says, you know, uh, uh, there are sheep and there are wolves, and there are sheepdogs. And I'm, I'm talking socially now, but I think part of the issue is that as a type six, and as an unhealthy six, or even an unhealthy anybody, um, ignoring the fact that there are wolves in the world is, is we do it at our peril. 
And more and more, the the spirit of darkness, we see it, you know, in, in, in mental health. We see it all the time where people are just acting out of their illness and hurting other people. I mean, killing other people. So... I guess, so this whole thing that I'm talking about, the people of the lie, I mean, it. I don't know how, I, I, you know, when someone starts going down that road of I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to be accountable, I'm not going to let you hold me accountable, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and, uh, and I've been able to get a firearm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's a really bad thing in, in, our, in our culture, but, the, but it begins with that whole point of what we're talking about of like, well, it's one thing for me to, to um, take care of my business, but if you're not taking care of your business, you may wind up killing my children at school because you, you just never, you, 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 you and, how, and, and I don't know how we deal with that. Mm. You know, I, don't, I don't know where we're going with this, but mm. I mean, I just, I feel like that kind of person that will not own their own issues is uh it can really be a you know i mean i as a type six i'm always on the lookout for that kind of person yeah. you know i mean because they they're very hurtful and toxic and and um, yeah so. yeah it's part of the danger that um the six specifically looks out for um i i was thinking about the counterphobic six and you know my husband is a six, is a counterphobic six. And we were talking about this morning in preparation for the podcast. And I, uh, I was, we were talking about this idea of, um, well, what, what fictional character, um, or, you know, in literature or in film, do you resonate with, or do you look up to, or is your, is your beloved character, which I thought was a great question and, um, really telling to open up uh, open ourselves up in a different way. And he said to me, you know, when I first heard that question, he goes, I didn't really hear it. He goes, and I didn't make sense of it. And he goes, and I'm, I'm, I was thinking of silly things. He says, but clearly, um, uh, clearly Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry or uh, Jack Ryan films and uh, shows come to my mind. Uh, and I thought, you know, that is so phobic six, you know, compared to you tell us uh, as a six, your, um, person you resonate with in tv you th- always think of barney fife right well that that was the negative side the the positive side was atticus finch atticus finch who also knew well how to use a firearm when he shoots the dog in the street you know with the rabies <laughs> so, uh, but my point being he's a clear-eyed compassionate human being who recognizes and has to actually deal with evil in the world you know and the and the racism that he's encountering right and and the and the deceit so, um, yeah, so, so I think that's part of the issue is <clears throat> when you do find healthy people with, with your church or your organization or whatever and support, being supportive of each other, that you have to, I mean, it, it's not, it's not um, politically correct, but, I mean, you really do have to identify evil.
say we have to identify evil. You mean subjectively or objectively? That's a pretty subjective question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, because I, I'm, 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 and I'm I, wondering, because here's, here's what I did in class today. Because okay. I teach a, course, uh, a class called Civil Discourse, and right now we're, we're reading The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Hyatt. So I, you know, full disclosure, I probably read more Jonathan Hyatt stuff than the Bible. So that just tells you how, how much I'm, I'm taking seriously the idea of moral psychology and its role in society today to help us uh, talk better, have these discussions, because right now we're split, okay? Um, and so what I did as far, to, as, far as the, the class structure was, was I, I picked two videos. And one video is a video that's right now hot on Twitter, and it's of, uh, from the Taliban in Afghanistan. It's a video of a man whipping his wife and another woman because they chose to leave the house by themselves. And the video is just like viral, right? I picked a second video and I picked the video of John Piper and it's John Piper from 2013 where he says that according to the Bible and because women are supposed to submit to men, he made the initial argument that in some situations, if the man hits the wife, that the woman should go to the church, not go to the police, not report the crime, but instead keep it in-house. This is in 2013. Now he got a lot of backlash, and he backpedaled a little bit. But let's think about what the church has gone through over the last six years and all the unreported abuse from pastors against women, and then the debate ever since the election of 2016 where someone like Beth Moore said, I can't believe my brothers in Christ are defending a man who is the antithesis of the gospel. So my question to you when you say evil, and this is the question that I pose to the, to the class, on a level from 1 to 10, 1 being very moral, 10 being very immoral, right? The video from the Taliban versus the video of John Piper what's moral and what's immoral. And one more thing I did, I cut the class in half. And the first half, I said, you watch John Piper first, then the Taliban second. The other half, I had them watch the Taliban first, then John Piper second. And as I predicted, the numbers of Piper being more immoral were higher when they first saw the Taliban video because they related what John Piper said, which was being hit once is the same immoral act as being hit a thousand times. So when you say evil, I'm, I'm trying to say evil by whose standard? Because we, could, we can certainly say, you know, Hitler is evil. Um, but this idea that we are innate, that we are moral people innate, that we uh, know what's right, what's wrong, based on either harm or based on ideology. Uh, Jonathan Hyatt argues that in many, many times, the passion leads the logic, and it's not the other way around. So that's why I'm, I'm trying to, when you say, we got to be ready for the evil, what is evil? You see what I mean? Because there's a lot of people who say, you know what's evil? What's evil is in the White House. And the people who support him are just as evil. I don't want to give a response that's um, just 
off the cuff because it's very serious what we're talking about because this is what the country is really going through right now. And a big part of the Enneagram and why I think it's helpful and why it fits in all of this, and I don't know that it's a little ever happen, but it's the confession piece. Mm. And it's, it's the, I, I don't, you know, but when people are unwilling to confess that they're, they're, I mean, physical harm is obviously um, bad. I mean, I, you know, I spanked my, my daughter who went to school here and she still says I'm evil for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I have confessed that, that, you know, it really was the only thing that worked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the point being is that, and yeah, if she hears me laughing at this, she's probably going <laughs> to call the police but, um, <laughs> and not the church. Um, but I guess, no, I, this is very fascinating to me because I think the, the subtleties of, of, that you're dealing with in terms of cultural, um, it, it being a more, you know, a, a Muslim background where that for them, that's not immoral and because it's relative, it's, I'm doing my duty, my marital duty, I'm protecting these women, actually. Well, and as I told the kids, what they have in common is both men believe uh, that they are spiritual. Both men believe that their spiritual belief places them in a higher authority over the woman. And both men believe, based on what John Piper has said in that video on YouTube, that your authority gives you the right to control behavior. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all. Both of those are just messed up, you know, and I, and then unfortunately it exists, you know, in a broken world. So, so that's why I was saying evil mm -hmm. because some people would say, well, John Piper is just as evil as the Taliban. Uh, and we're certainly having that discussion in class, but I, I think bringing it back to the Enneagram and bringing it back to my questions to you, I think one of my desires and how I use the Enneagram is to help people understand that we are so complex, Right. And the Enneagram specifically, sort of, that's that's their branding. That it can't just be INFPTMB, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Um, we are, you know, there are nine personalities, nine with wings, nine with wings with sub, you know, types. And, and you can just go on and on and on. Um, and then there's the shadow types. So I think the richness of the Enneagram is that it is complex. And human beings are complex. Mm -hmm. And and I would I would not want to just limit this as another membership drive. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want people to go, oh yeah, come here. Let's talk about the Enneagram. And by the way, uh, let me tell you about the Romans Road. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather say, I want you to be in health. Mm -hmm. And if you believe in prearranged destiny, uh, you know, or, you know, by chance, uh, you know, my, my job is, is, is just to be your friend, to listen, to be empathic, right? Because I learned more about empathy through Brene Brown, who did scientific research, versus some pastor who told me, you know, that I should be empathetic. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. No, and I think that's partly, again, in Jesus using the parables, he didn't do it by just telling people how to live. He did it by telling a story and letting them start to think for themselves about, what was right for them and allowing room for the, the Holy spirit mm -hmm. to be there and whatever you want to call the Holy spirit. I mean, I know there, 
there are instances or there are scriptures in the Old Testament of a, the Holy Spirit as well. And so it's not, it, it is a human, it, it's something that, that does happen and does occur in the human psyche. So it, whatever we call it, it is other than what we're used to. And it's something that is a helper, a paraclete. Mm-hmm. We need it. And we need, um, and we need to not reduce um, ourselves and others to a label or a word. I think that's part of where the Enneagram strength is that you were talking about in, in, in that it addresses hu- human beings as complicated, complex people, persons. And uh, so often we don't have the conversations we need uh, when we think something is evil or, um, you know, we're just convinced, absolutely convicted and convinced that X is evil. Uh, and, and the next person, our neighbor, says, no, Y is evil. Um, we easily, and we see it all around us, uh, people calling each other's na- each other names and just reducing the person to the name. Oh, you're an idiot. Or, oh, she's, he's just a circus barker. Or she's, the, you know, um, she's ignorant. And just calling names and then reducing that person to that label, that, that name. And I think that that's where evil starts. I do. Mm. In not recognizing the beauty of the human being made in the image of God, the worth of the human being and then the belovedness of, of the human being. And, you know, we we are doing this. I know, Israel, you and I are spending our time co-hosting this new show um, because we think it's worthwhile to help um, educate uh, people in the Enneagram t- as, a, as a useful tool. You are doing this. You've come so graciously to, to help us today and spend so many years uh, so much of your time doing this in many different capacities. And really, before we close, I want to make sure, Paul, you have a chance to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with the Enneagram in Palm Beach County with the Sheriff's Office and young men. Well, it's actually not just young men. It's, uh, it's it, I'm the chairman of the board of an organization called First Serve, and we'll go into rough neighborhoods that the sheriff's identified, one Bell Glade, and we've been in Boynton Delray as well. Um and we'll find wonderful kids that are there in those neighborhoods and we'll hire them at 10 bucks an hour. And then they kind of become our cohort that we work with doing college um, counseling. We use the Enneagram with them. We do team building with them using the Enneagram. And they, these high school students, they love it. And they, because I'll tell one quick story. There was a, um, this was our group in, in um, Delray, Boynton, and we had done the Enneagram with them, and we had a two-week sort of conference over the summer. And um, and one of the girls got up, and she was a type 8, and she, and she was speaking, and she said, you know, I really had a rough time. My, my, my um, father died while he was in prison, and now my mother died, and I'm alone living with my grandparents. And she broke down and started crying. She's type 8, which, and the entire group just got up out of their chairs and went, and this is, these are all inner city kids who are tough, like, you know, borderline gang kids. And they just all went and they just stood around her and, 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 and held her and, mm. and told her they loved her. Mm. And it was unbelievable. And if not for the Enneagram and for not them knowing, yes, there are nine different truths. You know, I mean, there are, uh, you know, 300 million different truths. But right now, this is really the only thing that matters is caring about 
each other in this. And, and so that's what it's, you know, you're talking about empathy. I mean, that is a skill that will serve them for the rest of their lives and in their interpersonal communications. So, mm-hmm. And that was grassroots empathy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's them. That's, and again, I, that goes to the, the idea that sometimes it's innate in us to care for our community. Right. You know what I mean? Even, um, if, even if you look like a gang member, mm-hmm. you actually have, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have the capacity mm-hmm. to be loving and, and you are a fully, you know, mm-hmm. functioning human being. Well, I just let me say thank you for giving those kids an opportunity to show the empathy and a, a means by which they could. That's good. Good egg. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We didn't get into a lot of, a lot of more Enneagram stuff that I, that I think uh, I would have loved to have gotten into. Uh, but uh, that's just because we had some great philosophical discussions. You're like a deep, you're like a sage. He is a sage. Paul Vandergriff, we are going to have to have you back. There's just too much here. Thank you so much I hope so we didn't scare you. Did we scare you? <laughs> of course you did. Ne- next next yeah. time you come, you're going to come loaded, aren't you? I'm, I'm going to be working through this for a week. <laughs> Two fours. You, you, you bring your six hour, I'll bring my, uh, my Glock. No, we can't do that. I We're on campus. I'll bring my water pistol. Okay. <laughs> water balloons. <laughs> Paul, listen, thank you so much for right. sharing your journey with us. And thank you so much for listening to the Any of Us. We're going to have some fantastic guests this season. You know why? Because we're doing it for you. Because yeah. we care about your growth. We care about uh, your, your, your potential. And... Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not afraid to say it, Stephanie. And you are worthwhile. You are worthy. Yes, Thanks I love it. Thanks for coming by. All right, we'll see you next time on the Any of Us. Bye-bye.